Welcome to our GOT 539 podcast on 1st and 2nd Samuel. We're going to cover 1st and 2nd Samuel as one whole book, just like we will 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles in those podcasts. We do that because the 1st and 2nd is just a division of the scrolls. Because it was a long book, they divide it into two parts, not because it's two distinct books. It is one whole book that we need to look at its theology and the themes as a whole thing. The message of the book of Samuel can be summarized as follows. God provides leadership for his people by exalting the humble and humbling the proud. So he's bringing up those who humbly follow him and he's taking down those who are in rebellion to him. And there is a general structure and outline to the book, but I think there's one thing that should stand out to you as you read the book. And that's how it begins and ends. Second, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and 2 Samuel chapter 22, the song of Hannah, or the psalm of Hannah, and the song or psalm of David at the end. And both of them carry the same themes that are going through uh, their particular psalms, and that is that God exalts the humble but abases the proud. And in that bookend type structure to psalms and the themes, it really highlights the message of the book, that God provides leadership for his people by exalting the humble and humbling the proud. So what are some of the themes that you could trace to the book as you read? Number one, God rules his people as king. Ultimately, God is the one who is the leader of his people. You think about who he is, all right? Uh, Yahweh of hosts occurs ten times, and it first occurs in this book. This is when it's first given him, uh, he is given that title. Hand of Yahweh is doing different things throughout the book. Over 50 times it mentions him. So who is he? He is the Lord of hosts. He is the one who's working to rule his people as king. And what is he doing? All right, he's causing events. Uh, for instance, 1 Samuel uh, 14, 23. So the Lord saved Israel in that day over 70 times. It talks about God doing something and causing something to happen. He's also fulfilling his own prophecy. Second uh, Samuel chapter 12, the uh, judgment on David for sin with Bathsheba, it, it prophesies of Absalom's rebellion. So God is in complete control through the book. He's the one who is truly his people's king. Yet, our second theme is that God rules his people through kings. All right, he is the king, but he rules through kings. They're that mediator between God and the people. We have this anticipation of kingship that we've seen in Scripture. Deuteronomy 17 laid down laws for the future king. Genesis 49.10 anticipates that Judah will have some type of ruling authority. But this request for king that we for a king that we have from Israel in 1 Samuel, it really was the wrong time. I think we can see that in hindsight. Uh, David wasn't born yet. Saul had been appointed as king 10 years before David's birth. Samuel was still alive and was able to judge. Okay, he dies after David's anointing. And if David was God's promised king, and I think we can understand that from the book of Ruth and what it looks back and shows us how God's working, we can understand it because Saul was a Benjaminite. He wasn't from uh, Judah, which was given the scepter back in Genesis 49. This was just the wrong time to ask for a king. It also was the wrong motive. Chapter 8, verse 5, uh, the people say, tell Samuel, you're old. Okay, your sons aren't walking in your ways. Make us to ju- a king to judge us like all the nations. There's this desire to be similar to the nations rather than to be holy and unique from the nations. 
So you have the request from kingship. You also have the duty of the king's kingship. Um, what was a king supposed to do? Ultimately, he was supposed to shepherd. The word for captain that's used in 1 Samuel 5, 2, and 7, 8 is often associated actually with the caring of flocks. Uh, the king was meant to serve. He wasn't meant to be served. Uh, I think of Dr. Bell in his Theological Messages book, he says, The two greatest leaders of Israel chosen by the Lord were first literal shepherds. Okay, Moses kept sheep. David kept sheep. I think that's supposed to be uh, kind of an impl implication as how they were supposed to lead. The kings were expected to lead in a manner that cared for the physical and spiritual condition of their flock, the nation of Israel. So God is ruling through kings. They had expectations and were accountable to him. But then third, God also rules his people by exalting the humble and abasing the proud. Um, think about some of the things that Hannah prays about in 1 Samuel 2.6. God kills. He makes alive. He brings down to the grave. He bringeth back up. All right, this was a literal theme that she is setting up for the rest of the book, where that's what God is doing. Uh, in David's psalm, in 2 Samuel 22, verse 28, it talks about how God afflicted people, thou the afflicted people, the poor, the downcast, the humble, thou wilt save. Thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayst bring him down. Um, this is the theme that we see throughout the entire book. And you think about just some of the examples, Hannah, Saul, David, uh, Absalom, Goliath, Nabal as proud examples, uh, humble examples, Jonathan, Abigail, Meshibboleth, um, and then finally David's mighty men at the very end of the book. You see a ragtag team of some criminals, outcasts at the beginning of, uh, and back in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22, and by 2 Samuel 21, these are mighty men who have done mighty deeds and are very virtuous. What has God done? He's taken the humble man and he has lifted him up. All these things leading to that theme of God rules his people by exalting the humble and abasing the proud. And then the fourth theme, God rules his people by turning their sinful choices into his gracious blessing. All right, follow me here. What was our first theme? That God is the king. And as king and as sovereign, he rules his people and is able to take their rebellion and actually turn it into blessing in the end. Think about just two examples. One, Bathsheba was Solomon's mother. The sin that David had with her, God eventually used to bring about David's heir. All right, and what does uh, chapter Second uh, Samuel twelve twenty four say? That when David called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. Okay, that there was still this acceptance and blessing, even though the child was ultimately the result of a murder uh, that was the result of adultery. Okay, what did God do? He turned the sinful choice into some blessing. And then I think my favorite uh, narrative in the entire book, 2 Samuel 24, the census that David does. David sins, thousands of people die, and what happens at the end of the narrative? David purchases the Temple Mount. All right? So there God is. He, he at the end, used sin, turned sin so that the Temple Mount and the mountain where people for hundreds of years would look at the Temple and say how great God is and go there to worship— God did that because he turned the sinful choice into actually a gracious blessing. So we have this theme, uh, this message. God provides leadership for his people by exalting and humbling the by exalting the humble and humbling the proud. And then we have these sub-themes. God rules his people as king. 
God rules his people through kings. God rules his people by exalting the humble and abasing the proud. Then finally, God rules his people by turning their sinful choices into his gracious blessings. So I look forward to seeing what you find as you take one of those themes and trace it through the book of First and Second Samuel.